She's a mother of three and the lead pastor at VU Church in Miami. Pastor Don Cherie Wilkerson joins us for a heart-to-heart conversation about how she manages the pressures of motherhood, womanhood, and leading a community. She's here to remind us that even in our darkest season, we must lean on each other, let go, believe, and inhale faith, exhale stress. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. All right. Okay, so welcome to Motherish Moments. (laughs) I am so happy to have our guest here today. It's a, a dear friend of mine. She's the pastor of my church. I feel like we haven't dedicated or discussed religion and faith a lot, but I feel like we always sprinkle it along the way, especially like when I, I think one time we mentioned how I dealt with anxiety and stress and like what kind of sets me back to to focusing on the good things. Um, and for me, it's been faith, you know, and she has been very important in my journey when it comes to that, my relationship with God. So I'm happy to have her here today. And she's an amazing mom and she has a great story as well. So I'm just happy to have her here. So we should start with our motherish moment. So this week, Ford started a speech session. Mm. I talked about how he had gotten evaluated and he had done really well. And the specialist had told me that he didn't think he needed anything yet because he was too little and just to be patient and give him, you know, just let him like develop on his own in sense like his language but you know I get he offered listen like if you want to accelerate it or kind of help him through the process I could find a spot for you so he was able to find a space for me and he's been coming once a week and he's been doing great you know and I keep asking people you know how old is your boy like what are they saying how many words I'm trying to not obsess so much about it because I'm enjoying (laughs) him kind of like seeing the improvement week by week so this week he was just, he just, no, 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 no. Like he's saying the no, no and the CC, like the no's yeah. and the yes, like where they're supposed to be. And he's very like passionate about like his no's and his yes. And <laughs> it's been nice to kind of like, I guess, let go a little bit of that and trust good, good, the good, process good. and the development journey that he's on. Mm-hmm. It's been nice just watching him. You know, I'm not going to lie. I do stress sometimes. <laughs> Because we easily <laughs> fall into this comparison game with other children and no, the same the age. I mean, I remember Victoria last year was the same age Ford was, and she was like recording audio for us. I know, but now right? she's laying on the guilt on me. Like, so she's like saying, you know, I can't believe you did this, and why did you leave me? And you know, so you just it comes with a package. So my motherish moment is more personal, reflecting on my career. I'm definitely, you know, I'm still very inspired from our episode recently with Argelia and talking about. When you think about wanting to do a career change and after becoming a mom, it's such a heavier kind of thing to evaluate. And so I'm kind of in the thick of it. Like, obviously, I, I love my job. I'm very grateful for my job. And I, it's more about doing like a quick kind of check-in. Like, what are my choices if I wanted to have choices? And what could that look like? And I'm doing it more as an exercise of myself. And But it's also like you think about it in such a different way than you did before children. Before children, I was like, 
like, give me everything I'll do. I want the biggest and best. And now I'm like, okay, how is that going to impact my free time? How is that going to impact my schedule? So it's a very interesting exercise to do. And I'm kind of like looking at that now. So now we're going to pass it to Don Sharif. I'm so happy to be on this with both of you today, uh, Pamela. I'm grateful for your friendship and Karen, I'm excited to get to know you more. I can uh, relate with what you were saying, Karen, about job change after motherhood. I was talking with my best friend this week and she just had her first child and everything's different. Everything's different and that's okay because you're different, you know? And um, I think my motherish moment, to be honest, would be this past Saturday. I have three kids. I have a three-year-old son, Wyatt. I have a one-year-old, actually two-year-old as of this week, named Wild, a little boy. And I have a four-month-old little girl named Waylon. And it's a full house. Everybody is in diapers. I mean, Wyatt's, you know, in night diapers still at three. And lots of bottles and the middle kid always kind of just gets thrown in the mix so wild is he turned two on sunday and i'm the second kid so is rich so we've got a lot of love for the second kid but <laughs> wild like lives out his name like he is wild yeah. and so it was really special because we needed to go to a family wedding in nashville so it was a one day trip like 17 hours fly in the morning fly back that night wedding in the afternoon get back for church on sunday and i just decided to bring wild and wild alone. And so it was this is my the last flew for free. Yes, this is the right? last okay. literally. I mean, he was turning two on Sunday. So we got to fly for free on Saturday <laughs> twice with me. And it was my first trip with just him. And it was really special. And I think a lot of times he gets a bad rap because he is crazy and fun and he's turning two and he's always, you know, the messy wild when he lives out his name. But alone, it was a completely different experience. And I think it challenged me to take some more time with just him because a lot of times I'm either spending time with my oldest son, taking care of the baby, and you know, he can get kind of lost in the mix. So that was my moment this week. I think it was an aha moment of like, I need to lead into this right now. So let's start with the topic. I think a lot of moms deal with so much pressure and stress. And actually you wrote a post also this weekend in terms of like celebrating wild and in the midst of all the things. And you kind of feel like you have all this pressure to kind of not be perfect all the time, but kind of fulfill all the roles that you have. Yes. You know, how do you manage and what do you think is the best way to fulfill all those expectations that people may have of you as a mom and as a woman and as a leader in your case? Yeah, I think as a mom, we have expectations from the minute we find out that we're carrying a baby. We kind of have this picture from maybe what we see on social or what our family's experience was parenting. And I think it's important to understand your journey is very unique once in history story. And so you're going to have to figure it out day by day. And as soon as you figure it out, it changes again. That's what I have to remind myself of is as soon as I find a rhythm, it changes again. So I can't be like married to the rhythm. I've got to just continue to live in the moment and give myself so much grace. I've got to give myself grace. Like I went on that trip on Saturday with Wild and we flew in the morning, went to the wedding, crazy experience, got back on the plane, went to bed late that night, woke up in the morning for work, mm -hmm. really. We yeah. have services all day. You know, we have eight different services on Sunday. And it just kind of hit me. My husband was speaking all day. And I usually leave on Sundays before the kids even wake up. And I had been so focused on getting away with Wild that I really hadn't made any preparation for his 
actual birthday at all. And there was really only about like a 30 minute window in our day in the afternoon to celebrate in any way because Rich and I both were just going opposite directions with our work schedule. And I immediately just felt so much like guilt. I just felt like, man, I missed it, you know? All of us have felt that way. Like I completely missed it. I don't know how to make it better. This week already is packed with things, you know? You have different events all throughout the week. And I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna make this work. But I just reached out to a few friends and they just like jumped in it with me and grabbed a few decorations from Target, got some brownies from down the street, you know, um, made a cake out of the brownies, just stacked those babies Mm -hmm. up, put two (laughs) candles on top of it, put it on a cute cake stand. Cake stands make everything better. And I had two gifts for him. And I was like, I know I want this. I know I want to sing happy birthday to him in a quiet moment. I want his uncles who live in here in Miami to speak life over him. And I want him to open up the two gifts and for us to hug and kiss him. And that's enough. I don't need like a million decorations. I don't need a million people there. He's two. If mom and dad are there, that's enough. Like it's fine. And we got it. And at the end of the day, I was like, I need to be kind to myself because the way that we love ourselves is the way that our kids learn to love themselves. Like if we're rough on ourselves all the time, if we're talking down to ourselves. I remember the first month that Waylon, my daughter, was born. Do you talk out loud to yourself? I was... Luckily, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And I was making her bed and I was late with something and I didn't have this together and the kitchen was a mess. And I was just going, come on, Don Shree, you can do better than this. And Rich stopped me and he's like, hey, like you need to watch the way you talk to yourself because it matters. Like you're being really rough on yourself. You're doing a good job. And I think there's always gonna be something I can do better, always. Like as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm living, there's always gonna be something that I can do better in, but I have to just breathe and go, this is enough. If I'm present, if I'm off my phone, if I'm looking into their eyes, that's the greatest gift I can give them. It's interesting you mentioned breathing. We're going through a a great series of talks at church about the importance of like mental health and breathing and faith. Last week, we learned the importance of like just taking that breath, you know, kind of just like inhaling. And I, that's why we named it inhaling faith sometimes for just like to bring you that peace, right? Because we're in so much chaos constantly. And sometimes there are simple, small chaos where you can't get your child dressed, you know, because he's yeah. fighting you or get the diaper on or something serious, like, you know, like dealing with like women that try to like try to conceive or like a job change that just major life events. And sometimes just a simple, like it's breathing and just kind of like being in the moment, I think has been so grateful for me, but it has been an exercise to learn how to do that and when to do it. Yes. When you think about anxiety and stress, even anxiety attacks, what does it attack? It attacks your breathing. And simple breathing exercises can allow you to be present, anchored to the moment, can let you focus on what's really important. And so we've been at our church, Boo, we've been talking about mental health and really the collection is called Breathe. And I think as a mom, oftentimes we feel like we're the only one who's struggling to keep it together or to figure out how to care for our child to figure out how to talk to them when they're having a meltdown, to figure out how to walk them through just whatever season of life they're in. And I think that all of us are struggling and that's why it's important to be a part of community. Our faith is centered around Jesus. And my relationship with Jesus reminds me that I don't have this kid on accident, that this kid was given to me by God. And that when I doubt that I don't have what it takes, that I'm the right mom for my child and that My faith isn't about me being perfect or checking every box or proving my worth, 
but my faith is about the grace of God and the gift of salvation through Jesus. And so all those things, it seems like they're not connected, but faith in Jesus is intertwined into every aspect of our life. It's intertwined in my marriage. You know, the minute that I put the pressure on my husband to fulfill the parts in my heart that only God can is the minute that my marriage is gonna start to disintegrate because my husband was never meant to carry that burden of fulfilling my life or placing purpose on my life. And the same is said for my kids. And so I think topics like postpartum depression, feeling overwhelmed, even feeling guilt, like, God, did I have too many kids? All these thoughts that sometimes you can think that all of a sudden just thinking it makes you feel even worse. Like I'm such a bad mom. Those are such lies. And when you get into a community, you take the things in your heart, you put them on the table in an honest, vulnerable place, and you realize, oh, everybody else is walking through the same thing that I've walked through. And what I really love about church is like, you don't walk into church and it's not like walking into like high school or college. Everyone isn't in the same age group as you. This isn't some forced social experiment, you know, where you're forced to um, congregate with people that are your same age, but you don't know at all. Church is a community of faith with people of all ages. So I get to walk in those doors every week or into my small group through the week. And I get to look around the table at people who are different ages than me and different seasons than me. But I can find a reference for every season of my life in that room. I can look at other people who've walked through infertility while I was walking through infertility for eight years and go, oh, this is how they walked through it. They didn't crumble. And we talk about the importance of sharing those uh, difficult journeys as well, because then I think a lot of people struggle opening up about those things. But once they do, they feel like such a weight off their shoulders, right? They do. Yeah, you feel so... And you feel like you're not alone. It's like light shines into the darkest places of your life. And loneliness is a lie. Loneliness makes you feel like I'm the only one walking through this. In community, it it may not take away the problems that you're facing, but it sure lets you know that you're not alone as you walk through your pain. I can look around the room or in my community and find people who've walked through grief, people who've walked through depression, anxiety, people who've walked through really difficult seasons with their kids, making decisions that maybe they didn't know how to make amends with. I can find a reference for every one of those. And it makes a big difference. Um, Karen was just talking about two things. Like you mentioned before, running, right? For you, running became yeah. such a ally or, or not was, escape, but kind of like it, was, it got you through a very dark season. Yeah, it was therapeutic in the sense that what I found was that running helped me really focus my brain in the present instead of like making it go through all this series of thoughts one after the other, you know, just jumbled together. I mean, this was... I explored running for about five years. This was about 10 years ago. And it was in a a moment in my life where I had just uh, gotten out of a relationship and I was having panic attacks. And I didn't even know, you know, I knew very little about what that even meant because at home, you know, there was never any conversation like, this is a panic attack. This is what it feels like. You You don't ever have those conversations unless someone in your family is dealing with it or you deal with it. But it was just such a terrible, like you said, you know, these anxiety attacks like take over your breathing and your your just your ability to think clearly and I remember it would like hit me like a train out of nowhere and it was like a few minutes of just being unable to get out of this like repetitive like almost like static your brain kind of becomes like static I took up running as a purpose of number one getting myself out of bed in the morning 
I'm going to step into my life and take, you know, some better grip of what's going on here. And also just to practice the power of my mind, you know, and how I could really just be not a victim to my life. I think what you said a lot about like breathing, it's funny, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. There's two things it reminded me of. My daughter, she's two and a half, and now she's taking yoga classes. She has a yoga instructor that comes to our house, and then there's a couple of little kids that come and they do a yoga class. And of course, you know, I'm like, how could these little kids possibly do yoga? You know, like, I'm sure it's just for fun, whatever. But the instructor that came, she was teaching them about breathing. And so there's a moment where she finally had their attention somehow. And she said, okay, fill in your tummy like a big balloon as much as you can. And you see her like, okay, let's, let's try this out, you know? And so she tries to do that. And now it's something that I've been practicing with her whenever she's in the middle of a really frustrated moment or I see that she's acting up. I see that she's like, you know, she's got a lot of feelings right now in this stage of her life. And so I'll like sit her down and I'm like, okay, Let's fill in your belly with all the air you possibly can. And, you know, it's helpful for me, too, because in those moments, like, I also lose my patience because I'm like, can't you just share or can't you just, you know, eat or sit at the table when I'm telling you to sit at the table? But like, no, that this is not that stage. This is like, a, I want to test my limits. I want to see, you know, let me play with you and see how far you can go to do what I'm saying to do, right? And so we now do breathing exercises together. And little did I know how, like, you know, impactful this really is. The other day, too, you mentioned Karen, which I don't think you had ever referred to Victoria as a miracle. This is the first time I hear you say that. And, um, I don't know. And it was nice. We were talking about things we're grateful for. And I don't know. It was the first time that I heard you say, you know, I realized what a miracle Victoria is. She loves to trigger me. Make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my my daughter, uh, my husband and I got married. And I assumed, like many women do, like, I'm going to get married. And then, you know, baby's going to come right away. And it'll be great. And, and it wasn't like that, right? So... It took us about a year and a half uh, or a little, a little more than a year and a half to get pregnant. And, you know, it's there's a few things looking back. Number one, I wish that I had been more vocal about, you know, with a doctor just being like, hey, like, I'd like to proactively check on myself and know, you know, where I'm at. And my husband should go and also get checked out. And this should be a normal procedure and not something that, like, you can only do once you pass this level. And it's like, no, like... We should be able to know, which I took away from our conversation with Dr. Hernandez Ray. And then by the time I got pregnant, it was in a moment where we had decided, or I had decided really, because my husband was like, I'll do whatever you say. You're in charge here. But I said, I don't want to have a baby anymore. This is too stressful. This is weighing on me so much. And I'm every single month is like, I don't get pregnant. And every month, you know, your period comes and you're just like, it's like a, it's not a sigh of relief. It's a kind of breathing that weighs on you and it weighs on your heart. And so I said, I didn't want to do that anymore. And I, I really leaned into my career and I said, I work at Facebook and I have a really wonderful career there. So I was like, it's time for me to grow and I'm going to focus on myself. And I'm 34. I, feel like 34. I was like 34 at the time. So I'm like, it's fine. I think it was 33 because it takes like nine months for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been 33. <laughs> Here I am like taking uh, ages, taking my age down. And then I got pregnant and it was very unexpected. I remember being afraid of taking the pregnancy test because I was afraid 
to for it to be a reality. I was afraid for something that I wanted to actually. I was a, afraid for my hope to shatter. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a. It was her choice, right? Like it was like when she decided to to come into our lives, and um, I remember. When I found out, when I confirmed that I was pregnant, I thought back on all the things I did while I didn't know I was pregnant. And I went on like a banana boat thing and I fell off this banana boat. And like I did all the things that had I known I wouldn't have done, I would have been more careful, but I was living my life normal. And it was a beautiful pregnancy. It was a perfect pregnancy. And she's a wonderful little girl. And now, you know, after a long time of being afraid of postpartum, so my, my postpartum journey was quite difficult for a long time. But recently, you know, about six, seven months ago, we decided like, okay, like now's a good time to start exploring this again. I told him like, I think I do want to have another baby. I want to try like, and now, you know, I'm about to be 37. My husband is almost 45. I'm like, but we don't really have so much time, you know, and we know it was hard the first time around. So, and now we're in a, a phase where I'm again in this, this stuck in this rut of like, every month like that week where it's like the week where you might get your period then it comes and then you're now I'm conflicted but in a way I feel like it also made you more you were always grateful for Victoria but I feel like this is Even the first more, time that yes. I heard you be like I'm so I'm aware so of the grateful. miracle of life of like this course. is yeah because I see her and I'm like thank you you know because I might not have another one and that might be fine too because that I do believe in like Your life is what it's meant to be. But I also have a, a whole other level of gratitude just for her existence and, yes. and her coming, you know, when when it was the time for her to come. Yeah, I mean, she she's a real miracle. I love hearing that story. And I can relate, too, because even for me, I got married really young and I waited years before I ever took a blood test. If I would have known earlier, you know, I'd been married for close to five years before I, we ever started trying to have kids. Then after being married for almost five years and starting, there was an additional eight years after that of us walking through infertility. And you feel all those emotions, the anxiety, the when is my moment going to come? And so much of what you said resonated with me, not just as a mom, but as a woman. Mm -hmm. Because like me choosing to trust God in that waiting season and going, I'm not in control. Like if there's anything 2020 taught us, right. it taught us we thought we were in control of our lives. We are not in control of our lives. And whether it's being a mom or a wife or at my work, in, in my job, um, my personal identity, it comes down to like, who am I trusting? on a day-to-day, -day, who am I trusting? And when I'm breathing, I am. I, I'm, I'm breathing in faith and grace. I'm exhaling it, you know? I, I'm breathing in trust that's bigger than myself. And I think a lot of times, like, we are moms and we're leading and we're teaching and, and we are that person in control for our little ones. But we have to remember that I'm not in charge of the timeline of my life. And I think that those breathing exercises, it's really important. Also, it's really important to talk about what's going on in your life. It took me six years to share publicly that I was walking through infertility. It took me a year just to tell my parents because I thought that I could just figure it out. And I think as a mom too, like we can just keep stuffing it down. Like, I don't know how to do this. I feel overwhelmed. I have a dark cloud over me every time I wake up in the morning. I'm not enjoying this motherhood journey. These are real thoughts that we've all thought in our life. But if you just stuff it down, it tears you up from the inside out. And so we need faith, we need community, but we also need like 
real people to talk to, not just my husband, not just my friends, but I have a therapist and I thank God for that. And when we're talking about this subject of breathing and mental health, I think therapy is an incredible thing for all of us as moms. Because, you know, my therapist is a, she's a grandma. And so she can tell me, you know, speak life into me, the things that I need to worry about, the things that I don't. She we we love therapy here. <laughs> bigger picture, you know? And, and just being heard by someone who's objective and doesn't have a stake in my story, it takes so much weight off of me. It's a safe place for me. I think we need to talk about mental health a lot more. I'll tell you, when it comes to motherhood and mental health, I think one of the biggest blinders in this mom journey is no one is talking about how absolutely earth shattering and insane labor and postpartum is. We need to talk more yeah. about it. It's I think people change. tend to minimize it because it's part of life. Everyone's yeah. done it. Yeah. You know, we talked you'll about survive. this. Yeah, you'll survive. Like, your mom did it. Your grandma did it. It's supposed to be such a natural process, but it's such a tough process that I think yes. people just either forget about it or minimize it or we went through C-sections and it's a tough sure <laughs> procedure. Is. It's a serious surgery and we're expected to just kind of like get up and provide and take care of our children yeah. when we're actually literally physically broken yeah. in yes. that sense. Literally broken. And the thought that you just have to do it all yourself, that a mom has to be able to do it all. I think it's such a lie. I think that's when community comes in. In one of the episodes, I mentioned the importance. I don't know if it was my mother's moment or how nice it felt to have people. And I, I talked about crew that really mean well and like wish you the best for you and your child. I think once you kind of like could vent and be like, listen, I am struggling with this. I need prayer. I need some help. I need something. It's just nice to feel like like you have people that have your best interest and are going to be praying for the best outcome for you and your child. Yeah, and we um, have small groups in our church and that's what you and I get to share. And it's cool because we'll gather around a scripture. Like this week we were talking about the promise that, you know, Jesus says, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. And then the scripture goes on to tell us that if we'll choose not to worry and instead to pray when we feel that anxiety, when we feel that fear, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Because our faith isn't just about our heart, it's about our mind too. God wants to fill our mind with peace and strength. But I find after those small group gatherings that we do, like a lot of times, one or two people will linger and you end up having a heart to heart with another mom and the tears flow and you get to talk about the season you're in and whether you're taking your child to, to therapy or whether your child's sick, whatever it is that we get to share it, you know? I, same with Wild, he's, he's needing to step into therapy. His words aren't coming. And there are a few other things that the doctor's a little concerned about, but I really need other moms to walk with me. Yeah, and I always feel like when you're in those dark, dark moments, you also surprise yourself how you react, right? Like I remember the story Karen said one time that when Victoria had the scare, she had the fever and she had the thing like, do you ever like look back and say, how do you ever react? Like what, what was your thought process in that moment? And I don't know, I just always say it's very telling or like what you lean on in those moments. Yeah. So um, Victoria, when she was 10 months old, she had a febrile seizure and she passed out in my arms because of a fever that spiked out of nowhere. And you know, in that moment, I was by myself at my house. My husband was out of town. And my first instinct, which maybe you shouldn't, I called my mom, honestly, my my safety net, right? So I called my mom and I was like, mom, this, this happened. I called her through FaceTime. And so like, there's a whole series of things that happen here. She'll forever have that image of me holding my daughter passed out in my arms, you know, 
Um, but she said, okay, hang up and call 911. I'm like, okay. So I called 911 and it required so much of you in that moment where I had to just hold her and continue to kind of like talk really loud and get her to try to react while also providing a, an extensive amount of information to 911, which I was like, don't you know where I live? <laughs> you know, don't you know where I am? When it was all, you know, obviously everything was fine. It passed. But I think it was like two days after, I had a ring camera in her room, you know, and that ring camera was triggered by motion and it recorded the entire thing. And I looked back and I watched it because I wanted to see myself. I wanted to see, because it felt like an out of body experience. It felt like when it was all done, I finally like, like you react, you breathe, you know, whatever. But in the moment I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to, whatever. And all you see is like, in the video, I saw like I was like a robot. Like I was like, okay, I'm doing it and I'm pacing back and forth and I'm on the phone and I'm trying to, you know, it's just so, it comes out of somewhere, right? It comes from deep inside this strength and focus on, I need to resolve this regardless of how scary it is in the moment, you know? Or I need to do, you know, X, Y, Z, like call for help or whatever. But, but yeah, I, you know, I do look back on like, and I'm grateful for my ability to react in that moment. But I candidly, like, I think about it every single time she has a fever. Every single time she has a fever. She has a lot of fevers. And I think about it all the time because it's going to live with me. Like that kind of thing where you're like, it's not that I'm not over it, right? Because I can talk about it and it's fine, but it leaves a mark, right? And you are forever like, you know that you have that version of you that if you need to react, like I know she's in there. I know that superhero mother is in there. And if I need to rely on her, which I don't want to, because I don't think that we should be superheroes all the time. I think we're human, you know, we need to just be, we need to be graceful with ourselves. We need to be kind and easy on ourselves. But I know that she's in there and I know that if I need her to react, she will. And that was kind of my learning from that. What I've tried to pivot from feeling sad and anxious about it to just stepping into like the strength that I know that I have, you know. And I, I think that, like you said, that strength is inside of you. And a lot of times moms, we can be looking on Instagram and everybody else seems to have it together. But that's such a false reality. The reality. Do you feel a lot of pressure, Tanshree? Do you feel a lot of pressure to kind of be like the perfect mom? I feel I, like when you lead a community, it's double the pressure, right? I could only imagine like the expectation. Yeah, I think I feel a lot of pressure to keep all the balls in the air, to be honest. <laughs> like, I just think that we live in a really fast-paced world. It's never been faster in all of history. And I think as a mom, we need to awaken to that reality that we live in a really fast pace. So even just like the amount of birthday parties there are for one-year-olds, <laughs> like it's the best thing, but like then you have work and then you have your family to take care of. You have your own mental health to protect and you need peace and you have need moments of solitude. You know, um, it's great to be around people. It's great to have a full house. But as a mom, we need those moments of solitude, not isolation where we put up walls in our heart, but solitude where we get one focus so that we can be filled up with strength to keep moving forward. And I think that as a mom, I fight to protect those moments. Like when is the calendar too full? because I need people, but I also need for my spirit to be fed and to have those quiet moments. And even if you're, you know, listening right now, you just need to breathe right now. Breathe in with us. Breathe in faith. Come on. Exhale grace. One more time. Breathe in faith. 
Exhale, grace. And I think we can just go through life because it's so fast and we can be holding our breath and it's not good. And as moms, we need to breathe. We need to have good coffee. We need to have <laughs> moments to smile and cry and embrace the now. Because I think the pressure is to keep looking forward when really all we're promised is right now. Anxiety comes from looking to the future, looking behind us. A lot of peace comes by being grounded in the present, even with the dirty dishes, the laundry, all the stuff to do. Like we're blessed, like you said, we're blessed. God's done so much. Something right now you said really resonated with me about looking behind us and how that can also give us anxiety. The other day, my husband and I were talking about when I was in college and I was, he was like, I didn't know you had a full scholarship. We didn't know each other back then, but I was like, yeah, I had a full scholarship and I was doing this. I'm like, I was taking six classes. I was interning and I had a full-time job. Like I did all of these different things at the same time. And then he goes, what a surprise, Karen putting on more than she can handle on her plate. And he said it as like a joke and not in like a bad way, but it like echoed in my head. And I'm like, when am I going to stop doing that? Like, there's a limit where you're like, and that season he was talking about is like 20 years ago. And I'm still in a moment where I have more than I can handle on my plate. So it really made me reflect. And that's why I think I'm in a moment where I'm evaluating my whole life and being like, okay, what do I keep? What can I let go of? And what do I want more of? You know, because it's a long time to be juggling and not letting any balls drop. Like you said, like that's a lot of pressure. So at some point, I think we need to reevaluate and let go of some stuff. And it's okay. It's okay to change what you want out of life. Because once you're a mom, you're never the same. And the desires in your heart, they just change. And I, I'm never, I can't go back to who I was before my three kids. And while I am driven in the things that I feel called to and my purpose and work, um, my heart is so inextricably tied to my children. And the two can go hand in hand. I don't have to pit them against each other, but something's got to give. And so I do have to create some more space in my life. I've, I've been forced to do that. If I don't, I get sick. You know, I've worked myself to points where I don't want to do that again. And it's made me make decisions and change. Oh, well, so grateful that you joined us today. I know how busy your schedule is. And I'm just grateful I'm for you. I'm honored to be with you guys. <laughs> we're in I'm this grateful. together. It's All funny the mamas out there, we're in this together. Um, so Dashree gave me a call. I want to say, I don't know, maybe like, I want to say maybe a year ago already. Yeah. And she asked me to join what's called a crew. And it was like the right moment at the right time in my life where I needed, I don't know, it was like God put her in my path to call me and kind of made me join this group. And it has been life-saving for me. I'm so grateful. And um, I'm so grateful you're a part of it. We all need community. I'm grateful to walk this journey with you. Thanks for being so committed. I don't think you've missed one. You're the best. <laughs> You're the most faithful person to a VU crew ever. I know. Is that it's funny? I was talking this. I made it like a work commitment for me. Like this is like I'm investing time in building my relationship with God, and this is like so I put it in my calendar. Like it's it's non-negotiable. You yeah. know. Calendar. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, and it's <laughs> so like a me, moment for you to breathe. Yeah, I've gained so much from it. You know, I've gained so much from it and it's helped me so much through like, especially this motherhood journey. Like it just grounds me and it just like fills my spirit so much that I get through the week with so much more grace and peace and it's great. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you guys.